Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey there, Rebels. Welcome back to another episode of the Midlife Career Rebel podcast. I am so excited today because we have just an incredible woman on the podcast today. I mean, you're talking about someone who just epitomizes in my mind the idea of a midlife career rebel, someone who's always stepping up, reinventing herself, stepping into other iterations of her highest possible self, just never, always seeing opportunities, never saying no, and just consistently, you know, up-leveling the game every, every year of her life. And so it's just, just a great example, and I'm happy to have her on the podcast today. We have Casey Haston, who is the Director of Recruiting and Coaching with VIP. She's a podcast host of the We Are VIP podcast, which I had the pleasure and honor of being a guest on, and a soon-to-be-published author, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. And after being in the accounting world for over 20 years, she made the leap to recruiting with those with similar backgrounds. And it's her goal to help others find their career passion using all the skills and networking outlets she has gathered. In addition, she's also, her mission is to help raise the consciousness of the world by helping those that she touches learn to be at choice. To accomplish this mission, she focuses on the importance of mindset first and foremost, and teaches her clients how to live at choice. I love that term, at choice, and I want to ask her more about that, and how to co-create their own reality through managing perceptions. And this has led her to her most recent passion and project, which we're going to get into later as well, this amazing journal, this like thick, incredible piece of um, uh, resource that you can utilize to really help you called the Awaken, Your Potential Journal. So with that, I would love to welcome Casey to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You just had to turn the tables on me, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, after our conversation that we had together, I knew that I wanted to make sure that I got your perspective to be able to share with the listeners because you have so much to offer and, you know, have done so much in your life um, that is just so ideal. I mean, to me, like I said, it's the epitome of what it means to be a midlife career rebel. So I would love to just hear a little bit in your own words about your journey and your own pivots and transitions that you've made. You know, and thank you for that. Thank you for giving me the space to share this because it's really where my passion was born from. But like it's like you said in the intro, you know, I started out in a career that I just kind of fell into. I'm a non-traditional person. You know, I got married, had babies, then went to school, you know, after already Mm. starting a career. And then I was like, well, I'm already doing accounting. I might as well go to school for it now. And so just kind of found myself going along a path without a rudder. 
you know, mm. just doing it because that's what everybody said. That's what you need to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. And I was never, I wasn't unhappy. Okay. I don't want you to think I was unhappy because I tend to be pretty happy wherever I go, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I just, because my passion is really helping other people and by, and, and yes, you help people when you're doing accounting, but you're also stuck in a room by yourself all day long. And it just really was not fun. You know, I wanted to be out talking to people. And so when I, I was with my last company in my accounting role for 13 years and it, the company ended up, ended up not making it, which I'm not real sure what that says about me being a <laughs> CFO, but it, it really was an industry that wasn't going to be very successful. But um, anyway, so the company closed and I was looking for a new role. And for the first time in my life, because I'd always had people reach out to me for jobs, right? Nobody was reaching out. And I'm like, this isn't good, you know? So I went, um, I was contacted by several recruiters. I think I found all the bad ones in the DFW area first, mm. but I finally stumbled across a good one that took more of that coach centric attitude when dealing with our candidates, not that metric driven attitude and really got to know me. It wasn't a 15 minute meeting. In fact, I was there for like an hour and a half. Most mm. recruiters would meet for like 15 minutes and they're like, yep, you're decent. You don't stink. <laughs> I'll send you to my clients, you know, and if you think that's why recruiters want to meet you, that's really why we want to meet you to make sure you're presentable um, Ooh, inside track there. <laughs> yeah. Um, please do not put on a ton of cologne before you come into the room with us. Um, Ooh. especially if you were smoking right before you came in, you thought the clone was going to cover it up. Ooh, no, it doesn't yeah. work. Bad combo. Bad yeah. Combo. So anyway, so, so we're sitting there talking and, you know, we're just having this great conversation. She keeps presenting roles to me. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't sound like something I want to do. That doesn't sound like something I want to do. And she looked at me, she goes, Casey, you don't like accounting. And I went, oh, what am I going to do? Mm. And she's like, and she had been in accounting prior to switching to recruiting as well. And she's like, why don't you come recruit with me? And I'm like, mm, I don't work on commission. No, thank you. And she's like, just come sit with me for a day. Come see what I do. See what it's like. And I said, okay, fine. I wasn't working. And I liked her. She's a neat person. I still like her to this day. Um, so anyway, I went and sat with her for a day. And I'm telling you, by the end of that day, I'm just like, give me the phone. You don't even have to pay me. Just let me help these people. Mm. And I, my passion was really sparked. And it was really kind of the nexus of where, you know, I'm doing a job and I'm getting paid but I love what I do because I get to help people. And that's what I want to do. So it just made perfect sense to me, mm -hmm. but not to anybody else in my life. Hardly, you know, everybody right. else thought I'd lost my mind. I'm giving up a good career to go recruit. Who does that? Mm. You know? Right. Particularly as an accountant, you know, it was so stable, right. You know, exactly. it's like, how could you possibly walk away from that and, and go to a commissions only what? Yeah. So it was, it was quite a challenge, um, you know, working through, like I said, my parents thought I'd lost my mind. Mm. The only person that really supported me during this time. And, and this brings up another point, kind of a side point was my significant other. Um, we'd been together for a long time. I, I, I hate to call him my boyfriend because we've been together so long, Right, right. but he, he, he is. And he was the one that said, Hey, try it out. If you don't like it, you can go back to accounting, you know? Mm. 
I'm here that to help you. So important, you know. Yeah. I mean, you said so many critical things here that I think is so important that I just like really want to highlight. I think, you know, first of all, you talked about just kind of following a preset path. Like, okay, I do this accounting. I might as well go get the degree in accounting and go keep doing accounting. And I feel like a lot of people are on what I call like autopilot that way, right? There are a lot of at that level, I call them, you know, hustlers who are just like, well, this is the path. Let me get on the path and climb that ladder and do that thing without really thinking about, is this really what I want to do? But it seems right and society supports it. And so following that and realizing that you weren't fulfilled, but I also love, and I talked about this recently that you actually sat and watched someone in a different career. Like she approached you with something different, but you sat down with her, kind of watched it, got a feel for it to kind of test it out to see, is this really something I would love to do and realize that that was it. And then made the bold move to actually go do it despite everyone's you know, objection and things of that nature, which I think is so, so powerful. And it's the places, all of these, places that you were at, like realizing I don't want to do accounting and like, and you're like, what, you know, what does that mean? What, what do I do with that? Making the leap to do something different and getting the objections are two like sticky points. That I think a lot of people get stuck at, right? So you had the support, which I think is huge for, to be able to make that leap. But when, when you were sitting there and she said to you, you don't like accounting, like what went through your mind? Like what, what, what were you thinking at the time? Like what I just put all my life and money and education into getting this accounting degree. And what do you mean? I don't like it. Yeah. And, and I deal with people all the time that are facing this exact same situation in what I do today. But what first was horror, like, oh my God. What am I going to do? Literally, that was what I said. Oh my God. But it's almost like once you turn that light on, you can't turn it back off, right? Mm. You can't not know that feeling that you just has had because when she said, you don't even like accounting, I went, oh, you're right. I don't. But then I quickly pulled myself up and I'm like, that's not right. You know, mm. of course I like accounting, but it was. So you kind of fight it. You were oh, like kind absolutely. of fighting it. Yeah. 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 Um, and but still I was intrigued enough and I've always been a little bit crazy and a little bit brave, um, <laughs> that I was like, okay, I can go sit with her. You know, I can do that one thing, mm -hmm. take that one baby step and then see where that leads. But, you know, and, and as that, that moment right there, because I really hadn't allowed myself the freedom to do something like that before, mm -hmm. but that moment right there, I will say changed my life in mm -hmm. so many ways. Yeah. Because Number one, I stepped into my passion, my genius zone by helping mm -hmm. people. And number two, I started saying, well, if I can look for opportunities here. Where else can I look for opportunities? Wow. And it's just cascaded my life today. If you'd have met me 10 years ago, let's say 11 years ago, you would not want me on your podcast today. Wow. Why do you say that? Cause I'm a completely different person. I'm, wow. I'm, I've, I've done the inner work. I've, you know, you talk about those people that are just on autopilot. Those are the kind of people I'm trying to wake up because mm -hmm. there is so much more to life than just going along, doing the humdrum eight to five waiting for the weekends. No, every day should be a weekend. Yeah. Every day should be a joy. And yeah. 
And I think whenever you start, like you said, I want to help people be a choice to help create their own reality and co-create and be a partner with that reality because you can, you know, I could look out right now and say, um, you know, my office sucks. Those people back there are just there. I think they're talking about me behind my back while I'm in here doing this right now. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Or I can choose to say, not think anything at all about what they're doing while I'm not in there because that's not being present. I need mm. to be present right here. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they think. Somebody gave me the best piece of advice one time. What other people think of me is none of my business. Yes. I love that. Have you heard that before? <laughs> I have. I love that. I, love I that. think Byron Katie or somebody like that said that. I mean, I think it is, I think that is so amazing. Yeah. I totally agree with that. You know, and I love that how you talked about, the fact that you, it's like you gave yourself permission to sit and explore something new mm -hmm. and that opened up like, oh my God, if this is something that's possible, like what else could there be? Mm -hmm. And so instead of being closed off and so focused thinking, no, I can't do that. I can only do this, or I have to stay in my lane just by exploring this other opportunity that you really didn't know much about, or even had some hesitation around, but just giving yourself permission to explore it just opened your world. I think that is so, so powerful. And I think once you give yourself permission to explore and you take that baby step and you move forward just a little bit, it starts like a process, you know? Mm. And that process starts to speed up and mm. it just starts to, you know, escalate. Like I couldn't stop this train I'm on right now if I wanted to. There's no way, you know, I mean, yeah. I would have to go like disappear from society for this, the momentum to stop. Yeah. What I've yeah. got going on. So I, I totally agree with you. I, I feel like my work is so weird because I stepped into this other side, like you're talking about around the time I turned 50. And I feel like my life is completely different than what it was before. It, it was like, it, you know, I always tell people it was like stepping out of the black and white of Wizard of Oz into the color version. And it's really? like, what? <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm so going to borrow that. I it's love like that. It was, it was so eye opening, which is such amazing. You know, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned it and talked about it, which I think is such an amazing concept, this being at choice, mm -hmm. you know, and this choice to be present, like at every time, just making the choice because, you know, I did a podcast recently on giving yourself permission to change your mind. Like you don't have to just stay because you pick something, but really this, this opportunity to be at choice. I love that concept. I would love for you to talk to us a little bit more about what that means and how people can really utilize that as they're thinking about, you know, their career and what they're in, whether or not they want to make a leap or change. Well, it, it truly goes back to mindset, right? And um, I'm going to recommend a book, not mine, but a book. Um, the book is called Power Versus Force. And mm. it was written by Dr. I think it's Stephen Hawkins. Don't quote me on that, but okay. it's Dr. Hawkins. Um, and it was based on 20 years of research that he did on energy. So when you think about it, your energy is everywhere around you, we can measure our energy that we put off. It's literally been measured. The HeartMath Institute's the one that comes to mind first about that. But mm -hmm. this, this doctor measured the energy for 20 years and he assigned levels to them. Okay. I think he goes up to 2000 from zero to 2000. Mm -hmm. All right. And so there's a reason I'm telling you about all this. Um, so as you start at the bottom of the scale, you start, this is your victim level mentality. 
Okay. Think of it as a lens. And mm-hmm. here's where the choice comes in. I can choose to be a victim of high housing prices right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can be a victim. And then what happens is there's this part of your brain. I know you're familiar with it. The reticular activation system Mm -hmm. that starts confirming that you're a victim, right? Mm. So this is a choice. You have programmed your little RAS, that little monster back there to choose to see you that way. Mm -hmm. If you tell yourself, you know what, this is temporary. Um, You know, things are fine. Things aren't happening to me. They're happening for me, right? Mm -hmm. Then that changes your lens. Okay. So you can go from victim to angry, which is the next level to what I call the band-aid level where everything's going to be okay, but maybe (laughs) not really, you know, but you're just like, everything's fine. Okay. But then as you rise up in that same level, you get to, everything's fine. A little bit Mm -hmm. more believable. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as you keep going on, you keep increasing until you get to what I call the Buddha level, which most of us aren't there. Right. Yeah. Very few. Unless you're sitting on a mountain, just meditating all day long. Yeah. Um, but there's different levels in between. And so when I say you're making a choice, you're making a choice about what lens you're going to put on to see the world, which changes your reality. Mm, wow. I love that. I think that is so true. It is all a matter of choice. And we think that we are so, um, that we're held captive to the things happening around us when we actually have a choice to think about how we want to respond to the things that are happening around us and what's available to available to us. You know, I always tell people that the universe works with you, not for you, right? So that if you are making these conscious choices that the universe will open up to you in ways that you probably never yes. paid attention to. But yes. if you choose not to be open to that, to, you know, want to wait, or like you say, maybe stay in those lower levels of victim, you know, or even the Band-Aid method that you miss opportunities because mm-hmm. you're not open, you know, and you're choosing that reality for yourself. That is so powerful. Oh, what you just said was powerful. And I'm being open, uh, being open to opportunities, I think is key and crucial because if you think about it, you know, you're, if, so let me just tell you this. Somebody came up to me one day and they go, Casey, you're the luckiest person I know. I get to meet best-selling authors. I get to, you know, meet top 10 motivational speakers. You're the luckiest person I know. I'm like, I am not lucky. I am constantly keeping myself open to the universe and looking for those opportunities, you know? And one of the things, like when I was looking for a graphic designer for my um, journal, you Mm -hmm. know, one of my mentors, he's like, well, just put it out to the universe, Casey. And that sounds woo woo, but it's really not what I'm doing when he says, put it out to the universe is you start talking to everybody, you know, you start throwing those words out there and eventually it's going to stick. And it did. It took me one month to -hmm. find the perfect person one month. And it came through like a series of connections, all because I kept saying, who do you know? Who do you know? This is what I need. You know, can you help me? Yeah. So, you know, and I think, I think we talked really about this, but I just want to, you know, kind of talk about this too, because I know so many people, like I hear this so much from, you know, clients or even people who are thinking about work with me, this fear about putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know from my perspective, it's the fear of what if I fail? What if I say I'm going to do this and it doesn't work out? What will people say? It's always like, you know, the feedback you're going to get or what if it doesn't work? Um, right. Or what, you know, like really, what will people think of me if I even say this, right. And we talked, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I would love for you to like really speak about, this fear of changing, like the thing that just is keeping us stuck, like, 
what do you think some of that is, you know, and again, I, I think we touched on it. And what would you say is a way to try to like suppress that fear to really allow your desire for what's possible for you to override that? So I think probably the most important change that I made that really freed me up from the fear was not worrying about what other people thought of me. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. That is so hard and not trying to control what other people think of me. That's a biggie. People try to do that. You know, they act a certain way to cause you to feel a certain way about them. Right. And that is once you can let go of that, like, kind of going back to the example of people talking in the office, right? Not that they're doing that. I don't want you to think they are, but <laughs> let's just say, well, I will say, okay, there was one time when, um, and this was before I had this epiphany that I had a big fight with somebody on the floor, uh, one of the other salespeople. And, and it was right after I'd started here too. I was really fresh here at VIP. And this person immediately got up, went to the managing partner's office and closed the door. And I'm like, that's it. Get my box. I'm out of here. This person's been here way longer than me. I probably overstepped my, you know, boundaries. Uh, Might as well just pack my box, you know? And that fear, I mean, I was so like, my heart was pounding. And, and when he came out, they weren't even talking about me. (laughs) I know is that something I know we're, we're the, we're the, we're the, we are the stars of everyone's story, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we make up these scripts in our head and I was so worried for that whole hour that he was in there that I, that something bad was about to happen to me. And I made up all these conversations that they were having while I wasn't in there mm-hmm. and it was just a waste of time, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I'm so big about being present. Don't worry about the past, fix it. You know, if it's something you need to address and fix, fix it, but don't dwell there. Yeah. Yeah. And don't worry about the future. Totally. Yeah. You can never, you know, your future is an opportunity for you to create something new and you can't create it based on what you believe of your past, right? Because it'll always limit your future because you'll always look back to your past thinking, well, I couldn't do this or didn't do that or that wasn't available. So you won't, you won't keep yourself open to what's possible to create in the future. So I love this idea of like, I love what you said. Don't worry or control what don't worry about or try to control what other people are saying or doing because you can't you can't yeah. you can waste your time worrying and you can't control anybody else so in the grand scheme as you said it's a complete waste of time just brilliant love it and i think it's so important that people do the inner work um yeah. and that you know what your core values are so for me and the reason i don't worry about what other people think about me is because my number one core value is authenticity mm. and as long as i'm showing up the same it doesn't matter what other people think. If they don't like me, well, I'm sorry for you because I'm fantastic, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there may be something there that you see reflecting back that you don't like about yourself that mm-hmm. I do that you don't like, right? That's usually that what it is. could do. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, when I first started the podcast or started doing the podcast, you know, there were a lot of people from my former place of business, my former recruiting, my first job that were just like posting some real hateful stuff on LinkedIn. And, and then they would text each other. And of course, somebody would have to text me and say, oh, did you know what he said about you? And at first it kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. But then, and that's kind of where all this started transitioning. It was just like, they're just mad because they didn't think of it first, you know? Yes. That's all that is. 
I totally agree with that. There, there's a comedian, you know, not, not that I, you know, quote chapter to verse of this person, but I, I remember one of his shows, he talked about that. Listen, everyone should have haters. Mm-hmm. You know, it means you're doing something. It means yep. you're accomplishing something. And most of the time that the people who are quote unquote hating on you is because they're not doing anything and they're not accomplishing the things that they want. And you're just, you're kind of pointing that out to them by just living your best life. And, you know, he said, don't get mad at haters. That's their job. So, you know, let them hate. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the life they want to lead, let them do that. But don't let that become any kind of indicator of, what you you need to stop doing something or change something it just means you're doing something right you're actually living your best life the other thing i love is like when people think that you should do things exactly the way they do them because that's the right way you know and so you know i had somebody ask me the other day they're like or say something to me the other day about you know because you know i i do still recruit um on top of all the other stuff that i do for the media and they were like how come your numbers are so low And before that would have really bothered me, but that's not my focus right now. Mm. That's your focus, but don't put your goals on me. Yeah. Oh, love that. That is so true. And so, and that could really, when we get into comparing ourselves with other people, we lose sight of what our goals and what we want to do because we're looking at other people doing things thinking that we should do that too, as opposed to keeping our eye on the prize, which is where knowing what we want, knowing our values, which I love that you said that, that you know your values and lean into them. I think that is so critical, important um, and really keeping your eye on the prize, which I think is great. You know, you talked about, I want to just like kind of skip a little bit over into your day job, if you will. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call it. I know, I know, because you have so much to do and I want to come back to this conversation because it's so important. But, you know, right now we are in just crazyville time. I mean, ever since COVID, the landscape of the workplace has changed, has shifted, you know, the remote work and hybrid workplaces and, you know, how organizations are even thinking about themselves and their values and their relationship to employee employees have changed. There's been so much that have happened that I always, you know, I always say that we're in a new work revolution and, Mm -hmm. you know, what used to work is not working anymore. So you got to stay informed and in touch with things. And so as a recruiter, I would love just to hear your insight, insider tracks on like, what are some of the things that have been changing? Like if, if I'm somebody mid-career and I want to make a shift, like what are the things that I need to do to really prepare myself for this new landscape, for this new way of doing things if I wanted to step into something else? Well, it has certainly changed quite a bit since, I mean, I've never seen a market like this in my 10 years of recruiting. You know, first of all, employees are definitely in the driver's seat. I think we may see that change in the next eight to 18 months, um, depending on what happens with this recession, which I don't want to talk about. Um, (laughs) But, um, but for now, you know, for every person out there, there's two jobs waiting. And so it is a time companies are desperate. I just read an article today about um, company, a lot of companies, not a lot, but they're moving towards getting rid of even having a um, requirement that you have a degree in some areas where traditionally you would have been required to have a degree. So I think this opens the door for a lot of people to make that shift. But if you are thinking about making a shift, number one, 
again, I know I keep going back to the inner work, but I think it is so important. Figure out what it is that you really, really want to do. Think about what you love doing when you were a child, you know, and see if you can convert that into something that will help you earn money. Um, I love assessments. Um, there's a great assessment on my website. It's free to anybody that wants to take it. That really, it is the whole purpose of this assessment is to see what you're wired to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. It measures several different areas, but the most important part is the, how you're wired internally. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't change. So just for example, when I took this assessment the first time, cause I was actually looking at a bunch of different assessments to use for hiring. And I took this assessment and the consultants going over it and they're like, wow, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're this mm. big picture person. You're not into the details. You, you, you don't want that. You don't want to be bothered by the details you want. You just want to go and have these great ideas and then, and love on people and then go and go do something else, which is very mm -hmm. true. That's what mm -hmm. I love to do. That's why I do so many different things. He goes, you know, you probably something you wouldn't have been good at was um, an accountant. <laughs> oh, wish somebody had told me that 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to know yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. And to know what, what makes you happy to get out of bed in the morning? That's what I ask my candidates when I'm talking to them. What's going to make you happy to get up and go to work tomorrow? Mm hmm. Tell me what yeah. that is and I'll go find it for you. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're saying this because I always tell like my clients that, you know, this is, it's an inner and outer game, right? And the, and you, there's the tactics and the strategies and all of that stuff, but the inner part, the inner game is like getting your mindset clear, knowing your values, knowing what you're good at, your zone of genius, what, you know, all of that internal stuff that they just don't, they never taught us that that's what yeah. you should focus on. I mean, there've been assessments around forever, but I think, you know, I think they've become, like white noise for a lot of people, like they mm -hmm. take them and then they shelve them and yep. don't really know how to look at them to gain the insight about who they are and how that applies to what they want to do. And so I love that you're talking about that. A lot of that, the change in the nature of how things are going requires us to first get super clear on who we are and what we want. Mm -hmm. um, so we know what to go after. What, yeah, what otherwise about, it's a moving target. Yeah, totally, totally. What, what about um, like ageism in recruiting? You know, I remember having a conversation with um, someone who was doing diversity within an organization. And admittedly, she said, you know, the one place that we don't do a good job on is ableism and ageism. Mm. You know, like there's so many other factors of when we look at the spectrum for diversity and equity that we look at, but those two, we still have a ways to go. There's still a lot of um, myths and stereotypes and things of that nature that, you know, and assumptions that people have to overcome. Have you seen anything, you know, kind of shift with that kind of population with people who are in midlife, who are deciding that they want to change? Cause I know that too can keep people stuck is thinking, well, yeah. they'll never hire me. I'm too old or I've been in this job for too long and no one's going to, you know, they, they, they just want young whippersnappers, not me. <laughs> yeah. So I, we've definitely seen a shift in that. There has been a report that came out and I can't remember who put it out uh, recently about, have you heard about the unretireds? No. Yeah. So a lot of people retired early at the beginning of the pandemic because it was just easier. Right. And mm -hmm. so many of the jobs went away like that. Mm -hmm. And so, but now with the labor shortage that we're having, they're calling, they're reaching back into that pool of those baby boomers and saying, no, 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 we need you to come back. Wow. We, yeah. So that's happening right now. So 
will it ever go away? The ageism thing? Probably not, unfortunately, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not as critical an issue at this point. In fact, there was one sign. I don't know if you saw this. It was a, I think it was a Dollar Tree um, where a manager put a sign in the window. He says, help wanted, no millennials or Gen Z. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And it was because he had just had two, I, I can't remember if they were Gen Z's or not, two walk off the job because he told them, your boyfriend can't stay here your entire shift. <laughs> and they both walked off the job. And so he's like, I'm done with that generation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that they get a bad rap. Don't get me wrong. Cause I yeah. question the security at that place. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, there's probably so much more going on than we know about. But at the same time, I think that for now, I think that if someone in their, during their midlife wants to make a career change, I think they're going to have a much easier time doing that. Um, but go explore. I know not everybody gets the opportunity to go sit for a day like I did, but you can definitely find ways to go explore opportunities or things that you might want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I call them like little mini pilot studies because I had to do one when I was getting my dissertation that um, they make you go do a little sample of what you want to research just to test it out to see if that's the right direction you want to go. And I think that is so smart to like go do a little mini experiment or like take a test drive like you would for a car, you know, any of your career interests or opportunities to see if that really is the right path for you, you know, like you did, which, yeah. which opened up something so much more and great for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, what's the best way to work with recruiters? You know, I know they're a different type, you know, so mm -hmm. I know that's part of it as well. But what was the best way to work with a recruiter? Respectfully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind. So just remember, like, if you're, depending on the type of recruiter you're engaging with, most of us are contingency recruiters, which means we get paid by the company when we find the talent that they want. Okay. Mm -hmm. Candidates get to use us for free, but free should not mean that we're not worth something. Okay. I, you know, I've had candidates that want me to do all the work for them. And they're like, I, one candidate in particular, he's like, we're going to have weekly meetings. You can tell me what you've done on my behalf and see so that I can get a job. And I'm like, no, we're not. I, I don't report to you weekly. You yeah, know, yeah, that's not what a recruiter is there for. It's okay to stay engaged with them, but don't make demands. You know, we, we have, you know, we're, we're working on probably about 170 different open opportunities right now. And wow. they're all very different. They mm -hmm. all require a very different skill set, right? Mm -hmm. And so just because you come to me and you are the best candidate in the world doesn't mean I'm going to have an opportunity for you that day. So mm -hmm. be patient with your recruiter. And I'll tell you something else. We probably only place about 20% of the people that we engage with. And it's not because we don't want to. I'd be mm -hmm. a millionaire if I placed everybody that I engaged with, right? Yeah. I want yeah. to. It's just, it's a matter of timing and it doesn't always work out. Mm. So if you want to get in touch with a recruiter, um, the first thing that I would do is probably go on LinkedIn and pick your recruiter wisely mm -hmm. and then engage there first mm. and reach out. And don't sales just say, you know, I saw that you um, are posting a lot. I see that you've been recruiting for a while. It's okay to say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Are you taking on any additional candidates right now? Mm, great. Love that. I love that. And, and recruiters tend to be open to that kind of introduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so, and all recruiters are different on how they want to be contacted, but I promise you if the first time I hear from you is a phone call, 
I'm probably going to be less likely to want to engage just because I don't, this is weird. And this may just be me, but I just don't feel that's very respectful of my time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want you to, you know, I need to get to know you. I want you to reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me an email. You know, my, my email's on LinkedIn, you know, on yeah. the profile, yeah. So, you know, reach out to me that way. Let's establish some communication to make sure that I am the right person to help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if not, I'll refer you to somebody. Yeah. So that also means you need to have your LinkedIn profile together because obviously oh, you're yeah. going to take a gander at that. And if it's empty or nothing's there, or it seems not to be impressive, you're not going to waste your time, you know, with that either, because how could you even know anything about them to know what to place them or what to do with them? Well, and one other piece of advice that's kind of off topic that I'll give, make sure your resume and your LinkedIn match. Mm. Ooh, okay. <laughs> you would think that's a no brainer, but I'm telling you, we come across that more than, and it just raises red flags. Even if it wasn't intended to raise a red flag, mm -hmm. it's going to raise red flags and it's going to make that potential employer question whether or not they want to hire you. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good to know. That is really good to know. What are some of the ways that they're there that uh, people are mixed matching or is it just that they're putting, not putting all of the positions they have, or they're mm -hmm. talking about them differently or that type of thing. Yeah, okay. Dates sometimes, sometimes. It oh, the dates are off. Okay. Mm -hmm. And here's another thing that I, oh, here's a good little tip from a recruiter. So once you send us your resume, you are in our database. That resume is there forever. Okay. It doesn't go away. We don't forget about it. Mm -hmm. If you change your resume and lie and send us a new resume five, 10 years later, we got the old one to compare it to. You're going to get caught. Ooh, interesting. So okay. Just know any information you send a recruiter will be there forever. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. But if you're going to update it with legitimate information, Correct. by all means, send that in. But yeah, yes. don't, don't try to rewrite history. Oh, I like that. <laughs> better than saying lie. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Thank you for that. Okay. So I, I'm really curious about this journal that, you know, we talked about um, early on, uh, awaken your potential. Tell me about this new journal that's coming out and what prompted it and what's it about? Well, I'm going to take you back a little ways. Okay. Um, I am, I don't do anything halfway. We're just going to say that. Okay? okay. So anything that I decide to do, I like do it way over the top. And so that's how journaling started for me. And I became a journal junkie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I journal about every area of my life. Cause I think it's so important that you're, it's that whole inner work, that whole awareness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it got to the point where I was carrying around four or five, depending on the time of year, different journals. Yeah. I mean, it's so bad. I had to get a cart so that I could get them into the office <laughs> along with all my other stuff. Right. Right. And so, um, I said, this is silly. There's gotta be a journal that's all in one, all inclusive. Right. Mm -hmm. And I went to the market and I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find one. I was like, fine, I'm going to make one. And so awaken your potential was born out of what the journal that I wanted for me. Okay. Mm. So there's six different sections. I call it a very holistic journal. It is a quarterly journal. I know you said, oh, that's thick. Yeah, that's just one quarter. There's a oh, lot wow. of work in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. It's, yeah. it's for the high performer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's got mindset, affirmations, efficiency, which is your habit stacking. If you've not read Atomic Habits, I highly recommend it. Oh, great um, book. I recommend it too. Yep. Goal setting, productivity. That's your daily pages. That's where most of the work's going to be done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and finance. 
all in one quarterly journal. So it's all right there with prompts throughout to say, go look at this, go look at this. Hey, what about, did you check your goals this week? Um, and in the mornings, did you do your affirmations? But you know, one of the things that I do in the mindset section is I have you go through and list your internal rules. And this is whenever you're making a big decision or any decision at all, mm -hmm. you, you need to be making them against a set of rules. What's mm -hmm. important to you, not what's important to anybody else, but what's important to you. And that kind of goes back to, you know, not having that fear. If you know what your right. internal rules are, right. and there's also a section and, and I give resources throughout this entire thing. There's probably 30 different resources listed in here. Mm -hmm. And it's basically books I've read that I've picked up a strategy that I've incorporated into this journal. Um, but also there's a section to do your core values. Mm, and I, yeah. and I do Fabulous. those every quarter just to make sure nothing's changed. Yeah. So, oh, wow. There's a hidden section too, that I didn't mention. It's not a section on its own, but it's still definitely in there. And that's health because mm -hmm. on the daily pages, there's a section that's and everybody hates it, but it's got list your weight. How much did you sleep? How many steps did you take? Because it holds you accountable yeah. and health is so important. This is the only body we're going to get. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, and at the end of each week, I put a section in there. Cause this was again, another journal that I was using meal planning. Mm. I mean, how many times do you get home? You're like, oh my God, I didn't set anything out. Or right. I have no idea what we're going to have. Let's just go to McDonald's. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not good for you. Yeah. If you meal plan, you're more likely to eat healthy. And I even put a grocery list in there right behind the meal planning so that you can write down what you need as your meal planning and tear that out and go to the grocery store. Oh, wow. This is a comprehensive journal. I love this. Yes. And I love that you included that in there because, you know, I have, you know, as I get older and realizing how foundational health is that if that it, it's like the house you build everything on. And if your health is not where it needs to be, that everything else is going to be shaky that yep. you try to build on it. So I love that you added that in there. That you know, one, is so powerful. Yeah, I please. just want to say one question, one thing that I ask that I prompt you because it's very prompted, right? But there's an evening check-in as well. And one of the questions that it asks is, how did you take care of yourself today? How did you invest in yourself? I love that. I love that. That is amazing. So how long did it take you to put this together? And when is it going to be coming out so we can all grab a copy of it? Well, it took me way longer than I originally thought it was going to. <laughs> I had planned to have it released in six months. It's now been two years, um, but it's definitely a labor of love. We are at the printers right now and it should be released um, probably towards the end of November. Okay. Oh, awesome. And is there a way for us to get on the wait list for it? Absolutely. You can go to my website at caseyhaston.com and there is a place um, where you can scroll down and it'll say sign up for notifications for Awaken Your Potential. Oh, fabulous. And I'll make sure I add that in the show notes so that we can all get on the list to get that because that sounds absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so you said it's a quarterly journal, but it's, it's so but we're doing daily work in it, but yes. we're looking at our quarters to see, yes. you know, how we're doing. I love that. And I think that's such a a fabulous way I talk about when people do goal planning to look at the quarter because it gives you a good enough time to actually get things done and you do enough to actually sit back and evaluate how that went to see if you need to make any changes. Let me just tell you about the goal section just real quick. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Okay, so I broke the goals up into three different sections. Okay, so you've got your long term goals and these I define those in this journal as anything 90 days plus. Mm -hmm. So this could be your year long goal, right? Yeah. You've got your short term goals. This is anything that's 30 to 90 days to completion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now these are normally going to support your long term goals. 
-hmm. right? Yeah. And then beneath each of these goals, you're going to chunk out, you're going to have your chunk action items, things you want to get, need to do. And I mean, when you dissect it this way, it makes it so easy. You start with the big picture and you start narrowing it down. And then you have your micro goals. These are things that could support your short-term and your long-term, or they could just be things that need to get done right now. And that's mm -hmm. anything that has to be completed in less than 30 days. Mm -hmm. So it's all broken down for you. And it's got such a great flow on how to get it done. I'm telling you, I, the first time I did this long time ago before I had the journal and I went back at the end of the quarter and it was, it was, I was going to launch my personal brand. That's what it was. That was mm -hmm. my first goal that I set. Okay. And I went and I said, I want to have this done by the end of Q2. And I kid you not, my personal website went live three days after Q2. And I went wow. back and I was, cause I look at my goals to see how far I've come. And I'm like, Oh, check, you know, yeah. so that's something how that works. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you're asking people to break it down. Cause I think we get intimidated by goals because we say we set this big goal, like your, your brand or your website and not realizing yeah. there's 25 steps to that. And so if we can break it down and just focus on the steps, as opposed to keeping our eye on the big goal, we don't get overwhelmed by it and having something like using this journal to actually plot and plan that out, I think is amazing. You know, something else I want to add there too, is that even though I knew this journal, I mean, that's a whole nother step of reaching a goal is having this journal in the hands of the public. But it has been such a journey and such a joyful journey every step of the way that it's almost sad that it's going to print, but not really. You know what I mean? Oh, so I just, totally. I want people to be present. I want them to enjoy the journey and not just rush to the finish line. Because mm -hmm. then what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where all the juice and the goodness yes. is. That's where all the excitement and excellence is, is on the journey. You are so right. If we stop becoming destination focused, and sometimes when we're too destination focused, we miss all of the growth, the learning, yes. the joy, the ups, the downs, the, the stretching and the growing that happens along the way. So I love that you said that to, to just sit back and enjoy the journey and not just focus on the destination. Yeah. When I first started the podcast, I was, um, and it's been three years, by the way. Um, but it was, I was so focused on getting everything perfect mm -hmm. that it was really stiff in the beginning. Right now I go in, if I mess up, just like I did earlier, blah, 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 blah. you know, I don't <laughs> care. It's just, it's yeah. fine. Just yeah. go enjoy being with the people that have graciously given their time. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much easier now. Yeah. I love it. So, so listen, I would love to hear your thoughts about what does it mean to be a career rebel? Like, what does that mean to you when you hear that? I think for when I hear career rebel, and I, I would certainly think that I am a career rebel. I, would agree I think with it's that. not being afraid to make changes or embrace changes that come along. Um, there for the longest time when I started with VIP, I really held on to that role of, you know, hiring and building a team and doing all that. And, but, but I kept taking on all this other stuff too. Mm -hmm. And I, I held on to that identity of being that director of recruiter recruiting for so long. And I'm still, I'd still do that, but it's shifted now to where my focus is more on the podcast. It's more on the media appearances. It's more on the networking, less on the recruiting. Just like I said earlier, my numbers, you know, somebody asked me, why are your numbers so low the other day? Cause that's not my focus, but I had to give myself permission to 
go a different direction and be okay with, and let go of something, mm-hmm. you know, that I thought was really important. Mm-hmm. I had a book I was writing that I thought was really important and I had to let go, you know, I put yeah. some time into that and, but it was like, it just didn't make sense anymore. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I think a career rebel to me is someone that's not afraid to take chances and to be okay with saying goodbye to a time mm. that no longer serves. Mm. Ooh, powerful. Love that. Saying goodbye to a time that no longer serves. Wow. I love it. So Casey, what's next for you? I, I know this isn't it. <laughs> no, it's not it. No, it's not it. Um, so what's next for me? I've got a couple of things on the horizon, um, but I have been named to take over um, a 34-year-old networking organization that I'm just super humbled and honored that I was chosen to do this out of all the different people that could. Um, but the next thing, and I'm just going to put it out there for accountability, I'm doing a TEDx talk. Ooh, exciting. I love it. Oh, I, I, that, you know, I remember when I put that down as my list is that's what I want to do. And I don't, it came to fruition. And so I cannot wait to hear when that's going to take place and to watch it and to share it with everybody. Cause I know it's going to be absolutely amazing. Thank you. <laughs> well, Casey, I just want to thank you for being with me today. This has been, uh, as usual, a delightful, enjoyable info packed field conversation and i mean you just dropped so many gems and nuggets and information that i'm sure people listening to can just glean from this is going to be one you're going to want to earmark and listen to again and again and again because there's so much in here uh, to really unpack so thank you so much for taking time out of your i know what is a very busy schedule and to you know be on this podcast with me it was my pleasure. And anytime you want to have a conversation, record it or not, you just call me. I will absolutely do that. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's it for today, Rebels. This has been an amazing conversation. Please stay tuned because we're going to have even more conversations coming up uh, this season. And listen, in the interim, have a, an amazingly rebellious week. I'll see you soon. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.